Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another installment of the Red River Rising. I'm Pastor Mike along with author Rick Salcedo here. And today we're going to continue our discussion that we started last time entitled Overwhelming Odds, Overwhelming God. And we had already looked at one particular instance in the Bible in the Old Testament. And we started to get into the second one here. And it was pretty good. We left off in a moment of suspense, if I remember correctly, uh, Rick. So I'll tell you what, pick us up, kind of give us a little synopsis of where we're at, and then uh, let's run with it. Okay, so we're talking about King David's great-grandson, King, okay. King Abijah. Now, at this point in time, the Israel had split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was a little smaller. Mm-hmm. And Abijah was king of the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, Judah and the northern kingdom, Israel, had been at war for years. Mm-hmm. And so another battle had ensued. And Abijah is facing... Uh, King Rehoboam of the northern kingdom and Rehoboam has twice as many troops that are more experienced. Right. Two to one. Two to one. And um, so he's facing a superior force, but he confronts these overwhelming odds with faith. That's right. And he he confronts Israel by saying, you've rejected the God of our fathers mm-hmm. and taken up with pagan no gods. And we haven't. God is, you know, we're on God's side. So right. God's going to give us the victory. And so that's where we're at right now. So he is confronting his his uh, overwhelming odds with faith, and we're going to see what happens. Excellent. And we're uh, going to start off in Second Chronicles chapter thirteen, verses twelve through eighteen, and it reads, uh, "Abijah's continuing to, to talk. Now, behold, God Himself is with us, as we, as our head, and His priests with their trumpets sound the battle call against you, O children of Israel." Do not fight against the Lord, the God of your fathers, for you will not succeed. Now, Jerobo- now as Abijah speaking all this, this is what Jeroboam's doing. Now, Jeroboam had sent troops around to ambush the rear, so that while he was in front of Judah, the ambush was behind them. When Judah turned and discovered that the battle was both before and behind them, they cried out to the Lord. Then the priests blew the trumpets. <laughs> so there, here's Abijah. You know, he's speaking faith, in, and I think he's probably even trying to convince the Israelites to just turn away, right. live in peace, come back to God. Right. And while he's doing all this, things get worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so not only is he outnumbered by a superior experienced force, he's now surrounded. Right. So things just got worse. And you had mentioned uh, Matt Ch- uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Sh- and Abednego. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the end of our last uh, segment. Where, you know, they spoke faith. Mm-hmm. And, and what happened? You know, they heated up the furnace seven, seven times, times hotter, hotter and threw them in. That's so, right. so here things just got hotter for Abijah. Yep. But what did they do? They had the opportunity once they found out they were surrounded, they could have given up and run away. Mm-hmm. They could have surrendered and, and sought out appeasement, you know, become subjects of their enemies, right. you know, uh, could have given up and become part of the, you know, Israel would have been united under Jeroboam serving false gods. They could have done that, but they didn't do that. They could have played victim. Yeah. That's right. They could mm-hmm. have said, oh, what was us? Mm-hmm. And played victim. Yeah. They could have got mad at God. God, yeah. we're putting our faith in you. And now things right. got worse. They didn't that's get right. better. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's what I think the church in America tends to do that. Sure. You know, we're, right. we're eager to put our faith in God when things get tough. But then when they get worse, then we lose our faith. You know, we've been called the instant generation. 
mm-hmm. and generations now. Yeah. Everything now, microwave now, microwave Christianity, microwave right. results, microwave yeah. prayer requests. Yeah. If it doesn't happen right as soon as we ask for it, then we believe that somehow we've been let down or that we've been gypped. Exactly. And, and I think it's a cultural conditioning, a generational conditioning, Absolutely. because remember when we were young? Yep. It took a while to make popcorn. That's right. You had to right. put grease in the bottom of the of the pot, and then you had to warm up that grease and put a few kernels in there uh-huh. and wait till those kernels popped. And then you put all the rest of the kernels in there, and you shook the pan. And yep. it took a while. Now we throw a bag in, a, in the microwave, and, and we're standing there pounding our foot on the floor. Right. Well, you know, it takes a minute and a half, and a half to, right. to pop. So, yeah. You know, and that's and if you look about that, that's right, man. And even remember when microwavable dinners first came out, right? They were quick. But they were horrible. It was the nastiest <laughs> stuff. So even if you got it, you didn't want to eat it. Yeah. But now it's like the lean cuisines and the, you know, stofers or whatever. Yeah. It's always instant and always now. And we've become mm-hmm. such a generation that, you know, the Bible tells us to wait upon the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we don't ever want to wait. That's yeah. our problem. And in that, in that patience, uh, and that perseverance with that is supposed to perfect your patience with it. And mm-hmm. with your patience, you're, you are made perfect in that, you yeah. know, and we just don't want to do it anymore. No, nope, we don't. So I want to encourage everybody, everybody out there listening. If you're facing bad circumstances, put your trust in God, put your faith in God, but don't be surprised if things get worse before they get better. Lean in harder. That's yeah. what, you know, yeah. push, push harder. That's exactly what the, uh, people of judah did let's see it it says here um so when judah turned and discovered that the battle was both before and behind them they cried out to the lord yep you know they they cried out to god they recognized him as their refuge and then the priests blew the trumpets and the men of judah verse 15 the men of judah raised the battle cry Mm -hmm. okay so this doesn't sound like victims right that's exactly right this sounds like right this sounds like people putting their faith into action Yep. You know, they talk the talk, but now they're walking the walk. That's right. In verse 16, it says, so the, uh, well, the second part of 15 says, and when they raised the cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. Now, what do you think would have happened if they, if they got all weak need? Yeah. And, and got mad at God? Yeah. It'd have been over with right yeah. then and there. That's yeah. Right. It would have been a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. They would have got what they feared. How, how's, how's God supposed to move on your behalf, man, when you just don't allow him to do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't give God the opportunity, and not your opportunity, God's opportunity, mm-hmm. give God his time to do his will and, and in his way, and then see what happens. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, so verse 16, it says, So the Israelites fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hands. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a mighty blow. And 500,000 chosen men of Israel fell slain, half a million casualties. That's crazy. Thus the Israelites were subdued at that time, and the men of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord, the God of their fathers. That's the most important verse of all of it right there. Mm -hmm. They prevailed because they relied on the Lord. Amen. Yeah, even even when things got worse. That's right. They were bad to begin with, and they got worse. Yep. And and, um, Israel never recovered... In that generation from that devastating loss. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the northern kingdom was never a threat to the southern kingdom ever again. Yeah. That settled it right there. Wow. That secured the southern kingdom. Um, and it ended the wars between the two, the, the, the two nations of Israel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, in the book of Nahum, chapter one, verse seven, it says, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. 
He cares for those who trust in him. Yes, he does. Now, this might lead you to believe that God will only care about you if you trust in him. But God cares about you always. That's right. Okay, but um, if you put your trust in him, he will take care of you in your situation. If you don't put your trust in him, then, you know, you're kind of rejecting God and saying, okay, I'm going to do this another way. And God will step back and say, okay, do it your way. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're denying him the opportunity and the joy to take care of you and deliver you from your circumstances. Yeah. So it's so important. We see here that the tiny nation of Judah put their trust in God. And as a result, he took care of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a more accurate, um, interpretation or a perception of this verse than he cares for those who trust him because if you don't trust him he still cares about you right so it says the lord is good a refuge in time of trouble and that's exactly what he was for the little tiny of nation of judah and i love how you emphasize that last verse in that passage of um, they prevailed because they relied on the lord that's right and this is just another verse from a prophet in another part of the bible that just reinforces that Right. The devil the devil never wins unless we give up. Right. That's the only way he wins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. Well good that was a good statement. example. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yep. And then the next one we're going to talk about is another king of Judah, and his name was Asa. And this is found in Second Chronicles ver- uh, chapter fourteen, verses eight through fifteen. And it reads Asa had an army of three hundred thousand men from Judah, equipped with large shields and with spears, and two hundred and eighty thousand from Benjamin, armed with small shields and with bows. All these were brave fighting men. And in chapter 9 it says, Zerah the Cushite. Now, Cush was is located in modern-day Ethiopia. So Cush was a region that's in modern-day Ethiopia. So that's kind of the northern, eastern part of Africa. So Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands. And the message translation of the Bible says it was a million soldiers. Wow. So again, uh, the tiny nation of Judah finds themselves outnumbered over two to one. And in addition to the million soldiers, they had 300 chariots. And and when they marched into Judah, they went as far as Marishah. Now, Marishah is about a third of the way up in modern Israel. Okay, so they they made it they made a good way into the little tiny nation of Judah. And um, verse ten, Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephathah near Mirashah. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, "Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army." Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. So Asa must have learned a lot from Abijah. That's right. Now, I'm not sure. I can't remember off the top of my head if Abijah was his dad or his granddad or exactly. Um, but he is behaving. They both were servants of God. They right. hadn't wandered away from God. And they both are putting their faith in God in overwhelming odds. Yep. And so he he calls out, you know, they they face the enemy. They confront their problems. They don't run away from it. Like you said, they're not playing the victims. They're not, you know, looking for worldly solutions. They're putting their trust in God. They marched out to face their enemy, and then they cried out to God to help them. And then this is what happened in verse 12. 
The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. Now it says here, not only did they get the victory, but they killed so many soldiers, enemy soldiers, that the Cushites couldn't regroup and counterattack. They couldn't recover. They were just totally devastated and on the run. And um, so the, the army of Judah chased after them. And it says, the men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. And this is from the Cushite army that they defeated. Um, and in verse 14, they destroyed all the villages around Gerar, for the terror of the Lord had fallen on them. They looted all the villages since there was much plunder there. They also attacked the camps of the herders and carried off droves of sheep and goat and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Now, Gerar wasn't part of the Cushites. Okay, but that's where they all ended up during the battle. Gerard was a Philistine city. So as long as they were on a roll, they <laughs> sacked the Philistine city because the Philistines were always in conflict with Judah and Israel, the two, the two, uh, the northern and southern kingdoms of, of the Israelites. So, you know, the, the, army of judah just decided well as long as we're on a roll let's just sack this city and the surrounding villages and they attacked the camps of of philistine herders too so they left with the plunder from the cushite army the plunder from the city of gerar and in the surrounding villages and all that livestock so they faced their overwhelming odds put their trust in god they didn't just get a mere victory they reaped a lot of wealth from that too and people need to understand at that time, you know, agriculture was big, right? It's not like monetary exchange that we have here. Agriculture is what everything was. Mm-hmm. Crops, livestock, that's where wealth really lied in. Um, you know, with the right, we think about that from uh, and Abraham. That's where Abraham, you know, got all his blessings from is that, mm-hmm. you know, the multiplication of his livestock. So, yeah, so anyway, just a little side note there to understand. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, hey, we got some goats. Yeah. Back. I mean, it was really valuable. Really, really. Yeah. Valuable. I mean, these were vast herds yeah. of livestock. Like yeah. you said, not just a couple hundred goats or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these were these were the herds that sustained a city state, mm-hmm. essentially, because that's what the Philistine cities were. There were like five or six of them, and they were basically just city states in a loose uh, affiliation with each other. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So we had a. Uh, so we see Judah had a great victory there by putting their their trust in God. And in Second Samuel chapter 22, verses 3 through 4, it says, My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and my horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. From violent people you have saved me. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and have been saved from my enemies. And so we see this apply in this situation here. Um, Asa relied on God as his rock. He took his refuge in God. Um, God was his shield and his salvation. You know, gave, he, he prevailed during battle and won the battle, you know, putting his trust in God. So God was his stronghold and his refuge and saved him from, from his enemies, you know, and, and he glorified God and, and praised God and put his trust in God and it worked out for him. Yeah. You know, just like we said before, you know, God cares for those. He takes care of those who trust him. 
You know, and I think as we kind of elaborated earlier, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges in the the church in America right now is not necessarily putting our trust in God, but keeping right. our trust in God. Right. Because we should, you know, we always have that hope when we start praying to God that things are going to start to get better. But we need to start conditioning ourselves to expect them to get worse before they get better. Really, it just comes down to having complete trust in God. That's really what it no is. Matter no, what. no matter yeah. what. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not really, I don't, I think that, you know, however it may work out, it's really just God is our, uh, he's our everything, man. Uh, he's our answer. Uh, so there, mm-hmm. every problem that there is, God has an, a solution. Um, and the Bible tells us how to do that. And the Bible says over and over and over again to stand on your faith. That's all we yeah. have to do. Walk, so. walk by faith, not by sight. That's right. And going back to the example of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they said, we're not going to bow down to your idol. Mm-hmm. We're putting our trust in God. Yeah. And even if God doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow that's down. Right. That's right. That's you know, exactly so right. they they trusted God even unto death. Yeah. And that's for another lesson, too. I've got one plan with that, with Daniel, with that, too. So I think that'll be good for yeah. maybe our next one there. Okay. But, uh, but, yep, excellent word, Rick. Excellent word. Well, what do you think, my friend? Did we cover enough for today, then? Yeah, I think we did. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in to our podcast here at Red River Rising. And we hope it blessed you. And until next time, continue to prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen.